So, welcome to the Voice Originals podcast. We're now on our second episode, and we're looking behind the scenes of what goes into making our voice-connected games. This week, we're diving deeper into the creation of When in Rome. And if you haven't heard about When in Rome before, it's a travel trivia board game that works with your smart speaker. So you're using your worldly knowledge to race around the world and win the game. So as you can probably guess from the description I just gave, this is a game where having a map is pretty important. And it turns out that creating a map can be pretty tricky. So I've brought in two members of the When in Rome team to discuss a little bit more about creating the map for When in Rome and the process behind it. So Steve and Alex, would you like to say a little bit about yourselves, your background and what your role has been on When in Rome? Hi, my name is Steve Bachmer. I'm an illustrator and 3D designer at Sensible Object. And yeah, I guess uh, sort of came, came onto this project of this game uh, quite early on. Uh, just to sort of design this map. And initially, the, the game looked very different, both in its sort of, in its gameplay and its intent and the structure of it. Um, and so it's been quite a, an interesting adventure, kind of figuring out the, the aesthetic of it along with the way in which the game is being played um, and how the one defines the other. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so hello, I'm I'm Alex Fleetwood. I'm the founder and CEO of Sensible Objects, and uh, kind of initiated the One in Rome project as a prototype last summer in Seattle at the Alexa Accelerator. Uh, so worked on an initial prototype with Steve providing graphics and design and creative input uh, from the UK, and then kind of been leading on the creative direction for the game, uh, managing the production team as we've been putting the whole thing together over the last three or four months. Great. Yeah, so as you can tell, these guys have been absolutely crucial. Uh, I mean, just in general in the design of When in Rome, but especially for the map. And I'll just caveat quickly here that the person speaking now uh, is Anna. I don't yeah, normally I speak say. about... Yeah. Introduce yourself, Anna. <laughs> yes, hello. Anna. hello. Uh, I don't <laughs> normally speak about myself in third person and refer to myself as Anna, but I'm the community manager for Sensible Object, uh, which is also coincidentally the team behind When in Rome. So now that we're all introduced, let's jump into a little bit of the process for making the When in Rome map. Maybe just before that, can I just mm -hmm. talk a bit about a bit more about gameplay? Yeah, um, no, please. Because... Uh, what we have is this this map, which I'm going to let Steve describe any minute now, uh, but it's also a um, smart speaker game. So Alexa is the host of the experience, flying you, transporting you around the world. So you'll say, Alexa, fly me to Tokyo, for example. And there are 20 cities marked out on this world map. And in each city is a local, uh, a real human uh, that we've recorded a ton of interactive dialogue with. And um, that means that when you land, you find out a bit about that place. Uh, you uh, then get asked a question about that place, and you can specify what kind of question you'd like to answer. And if you get that question right, then you've made a friend, and that means that you'll place a friend token from the, the game uh, physically on the board. So it's a game about flying around the world and making friends. And critically, it's about hearing the amazing voices of people from around the world. So, you know, Alexa is a voice platform. It's all about putting voices and listening to voices, we think, into, into people's homes. And so that was always really key, this idea of bringing the world into the living room and, and letting people feel like they were traveling to different places. So that was, I think, like some of the brief 
that I kind of handed over to you yeah. in the first instance when we started creating the board and that we've kind of been working on and refining. Uh, so now, with, with, with all of that in mind, uh, Steve, do you want to just say like what it, what it actually looks like? Yeah, for sure. So in, in terms of what, what the board looks like uh, as it stands, it's a world map, as, as you might know it. We actually did it initially play with some other ideas surrounding kind of other shapes of the world and different perspectives, um, but we've landed on standard map. Um, but so at, at the moment, the whole idea is that we wanted to, I guess, give an insight and a taste of all of these different wonderful cultures from around the world, much like a visual iteration of the idea of a local, but at the same time, not becoming too visually overwhelming that it would take away from the audio experience of your interaction with a smart speaker. So what we decided on ultimately was to go for an illustrated board map where there are elements of each country or continent or culture from those respective regions illustrated into the shapes of those areas. Um, Do you want to give a couple of examples? So like, yeah. what, are, what are some of the things in Canada, for example? Yeah, one of the things. <laughs> so some of the things in Canada. Canada was lots of fun. We've got a, a tin of, of maple syrup that is very specifically from Quebec. And then there's a there's a hockey player. There's somebody ice fishing. We've got somebody snowboarding, canoeing because Canada can also get quite nice and warm and summery. There's a, a hotel that I don't quite remember the name of, but it looks quite fancy. There's a giant uh, bowl of poutine. Yes, there's a humongous oh, bowl of poutine. Yep. Extremely important cultural <laughs> reference. I'm going to get the map out. I actually yep. brought it with me. Oh, yeah, smart. Beautiful. Yes. I thought that we might need it. Yep. You were prepared. <laughs> um, so you can sort of imagine there's this gorgeous, you know, like if we're looking at the board now, like, um, I mean, it's interesting to just talk briefly about the shape of the world because it is, yeah, it is like a Mercator projection map. We tried some other projections, but they didn't, they didn't feel right. Um, but we have had to fairly enthusiastically resize um, some things. Yeah. So the Atlantic is only a little bit wider than Great Britain, for example. <laughs> And um, New Zealand is is roughly, I'd say, about 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 a third of the size of Sydney, yeah, uh, of, of Australia. Or, or Australia sorry, yeah. um, you know. So, um, and, and and do you want to like do you want to just talk about like why there's been why there's been some fooling around with um, yeah geography? Yep. <laughs> so I guess yeah, there's there's been some skewing of geography in the just in attempting to get the board into an illustratable state. There's a need to have space in which to illustrate and also to explore such a breadth of cultures. For, for instance, I mean, the UK is a great example that it's such a tiny little space. So like, you've just got to kind of make do with, with what you've got there. But at the same time, we had to kind of take sort of... Some liberties. <laughs> some, some liberties. Well, and I think I remember we talked a lot in the process about it's not... No one's, no one's trying to navigate like a real landscape off of this or yeah. like do geography it's it's a, it's imaginative you know this is a kind of uh, background to a kind of imaginative play where people feel like they're traveling around the world and the illustrations really to my mind help with that yeah um but yeah so i yeah. think that taking some liberties around uh, around that uh, there's also just a kind of really practical point um which is to do with this being a tabletop game and uh consequently there are there are pieces and tokens like airplane tokens and friend tokens and souvenirs and you need space to to place those around the cities on the board so um we also had to be a little bit canny 
or you had to be a little bit canny about sizing things so that we yep. could make room for those those elements. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and yeah, as as you were saying before, just in terms of taking those liberties, just being being aware that well, whatever we're illustrating is representative of a culture and not the physical space. Uh, a pyramid in Egypt, while it spans most of North Africa, <laughs> one pyramid does not actually span all of Africa. So it's, it's kind that of that would be some pyramid. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's an experience that a bunch of people who we play tested the game have, where they look at one element of the map and go, "Ah, oh, Wales is really weirdly shaped," or something like that, and then they go, "Oh, but wait." Everything is like off. And yeah. once you realize everything's off and that the intention wasn't to be representational in that way, yeah. it kind of goes away. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I think I think I think it's it's a hard pill to swallow for anyone when they look at their own sort of uh, I guess, corner of the map. Yeah, when, the, when when they look at their own corner of the map and realize that whatever they've affiliated with their own country maybe hasn't been represented. Um, but I guess that's sort of what comes with not being able to be from around the entire world. I mean, for for instance, I'm I'm from Australia, and so. Well, you're from quite a few places, actually. I yeah, mean, you're true. like uh, you're you're pretty. We're a fairly multicultural team. Yeah, but you're, you're, you 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 managed to be multicultural all in one <laughs> Steve. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, I don't know. I've I've got some some South African in me. I've actually, I've I've got some Latvian in me. Was, there you go. There you go. Um, um, and didn't you spend some time in Israel as well? Yep, yeah, I did. I lived in Israel for a while. Um, now you're an honorary pommy. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm sort of coming coming back to to sort of not nestle back into the Commonwealth. Um, but yeah, there's uh, I don't know. I've 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 been around in my day, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's still and even then, I still don't have the yeah. full cultural breadth to to tackle. I mean, uh, robust illustrations of the entire world for sure, and, and no, no, no one human can. I mean, Anna, should we should we maybe talk about should we talk a bit about that that kind of process of how we went through these different styles? Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to hear more about um, like how the map has progressed. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm sure like the beginning map and what it is now look pretty different yeah. from each other. Yeah, I was like, let's go back to map zero, map number one. Yep. So you're in the sensible object. Office, it's like kind of August, September of last yep. year, and I'm off doing yeah, uh, sort had... of wild things in Seattle. And there's these kind of communications coming back over Slack and, and over calls. And just I'm just trying to visualize that that kind of first map. Um, so I actually I found it earlier, and it was kind of the Earth uh, hovering in space, and both of the polar caps have sort of popped off, and there's all these arms kind of coming out of it. Oh yeah! And, so and I, I think the the initial part of the game we were talking about, rather instead of friend tokens, we we're talking about little kind of uh, like gems or something as, mm -hmm. as these sort of trade pieces. That's right. Um, and so it was kind of this idea of like chasing these gems across the world, and so there was kind of at one point. There's, uh, there's little little spaces for the gems to go and stuff. Yeah, like there's that. spaces for the gems to be, and kind of the the hands coming out of the world, sort of like moving around and sort of picking up these gems and trying to pluck them off the earth. It's it's really interesting how like a, a big theme across all of sensible objects' work is this way where digital game development informs physical game development and vice versa. Like you're kind of constantly going around these loops and these conversations where you're needing to be very flexible in your thinking about what your design process is because extra 
kind of pressures and complexities are being placed on it because they're yeah. kind of being introduced from all these other domains of activity that don't normally like sort of bu bustle yeah. up against one another yeah. in the same way. So yeah, like there was that there was that original one, and then I remember there was a there was a relatively plain map with more detailed kind of like mappy outline. Like so, the one that we have now is more like hand drawn and has a slightly kind of vectorized feel where the, some of the kind yeah. of sort of edges have been smoothed out a little. Um, and it had much bigger kind of white space for each of the cities, didn't it? It was yep. sort of like a, because we basically went with, let's just make a great big white space for each city where the all the tokens um, and everything can live. Yeah, exactly. And then I think what was interesting was there was a, a really big change in our creative process at around the time when we recruited Deborah and Shane onto the project. So Deborah Pearson and Shane Solanke. And they have worked together as the interactive dialogue directors for the game. So they've been responsible for casting and devising with and directing and writing for the locals. There's 20 locals that we've cast to, to represent and be the voices of their city. And as you can imagine, that's another, it's a sort of parallel activity that's been going on where there's been a lot of questions about sensitivity and representation. You know, like, how are we going to represent all these different cultures in the game and in, in, in the right way? And they definitely brought some of that thinking into the kind of feedback process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I remember that they kind of looked at an early map and I can't remember Shane's exact words, but it was something like, this is a colonialist nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, Shane... Uh, uh, is uh, kind of he, he was brilliant. He didn't didn't mince his words. He kind yep. of came right at it, and, yeah, exactly. and he was like, "You think you think we've got some issues here about about how we're kind of representing cultures on the board?" Um, I mean, do you want to speak a bit about what what that process was like from from your side as the kind of designer and, and the illustrator? Uh, yeah, sure. So, in in terms of having having somebody arrive and break down the map and and look at it in that way was was a, a nice moment. Of, okay, cool. Like, there's still sort of obviously work that needs to needs to be done on this, but also a, a nice moment of getting to sense check it and say, okay, cool, like let's, because at, at that point we'd only really had one iteration of it. And so, um, and it had all sort of, it had been a bit of like a tight turnaround. And so having another opportunity to sort of come back to this map and I guess uh, address it in more depth and detail and be able to ask these questions of, you know, what's offensive and what's not and what is representative of a place and what's not was quite a good experience of being able to a, a, a work into the map with with more more detail, but also with a, I guess a sense of safety in that it's this is this is actually be, being able to base that off information from the locals. So for instance, because um, I remember I remember that Sydney and Australia, and I say Sydney because Sydney's the city in Australia on the map, and there's Auckland. But Australia was one of the places that we all felt really good about quite early on. Mm. And that's kind of not a surprise yeah. because it's, it's a place that you're from and that you know intimately. So if I just like pick out some of the features of Sydney, um, we have Uluru in the middle of the map. Uh, we have uh, the uh, sort of flag of Indigenous Australia over the Northern Territory. In Melbourne sort of region, there is a very appetizing looking flat white. Sydney is represented by the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House. And then as you go up into Queensland, there's uh, all manner of tasty looking tropical fruits. 
and then South Australia, there's um, the kind of wine lands and a, and a nice, a very another appetizing glass of wine. And then down here, uh, some um, uh, the Twelve Apostles, the the, yep. the sort of um, cliff features which um, run along the South Australian coast. So you can imagine all these illustrations are kind of very beautifully woven in with one another to make this kind of patchwork of references and images that kind of denote Australia. And for me, like they tessellate really beautifully. So like when I think about visiting Australia and experiencing Australia, I think about the food and the nature and the people and the architecture and of course the history in terms of, you know, the invasion of Australia and the settling of Australia and, and the kind of tension that exists there. And all of those things are kind of material and I think that you've represented them very beautifully in the Australian map. And I, and I remember... Deborah, who is very insightful kind of theatre maker, saying, if we can do for the rest of the world what you've already done for Australia, yeah. then we'll be in great shape. Yeah, yeah, which is both flattering in, in the sense of that Australia sort of landed so well, but the idea that I could even begin to tackle almost anywhere else in the world with as much kind of understanding as it's taken, I don't know, about... 20, 26 odd years of living in of a place, living in a place yeah, sure. to, to, to get to that point. Well, what um, we did was we we just tried to gather a lot of feedback. Um, yeah. So we asked the whole team. Um, I think that at a rough count, there's something like 10 or 12 nationalities represented inside of the Sensible Object team, either either through parentage or close family or, mm. or, or, or through experience. We also reached out through our locals a little bit that we'd started to cast at that stage and kind of get some of those involved. I certainly know that we all kind of tried to get communications with people. Like So, for example, Sensible Object has some business partners in Hong Kong. So we asked, we asked those guys to kind of feed in and, and give their perspective. And we started to generate this sort of enormous deluge of info yeah, yeah. <laughs> of like stuff that felt wrong like so for example we had some people in in like kind of traditional national dress didn't yeah. we like there was one in south america there was a cossack riding a horse in in the kind of um the, the bit the big empty bit in russia uh, <laughs> <laughs> um so there was there was a lot of info that you were trying to kind of distill and yeah and work with yeah exactly so yeah it, it was it was just about i guess trying to be as accurately representative of each place without treading on any toes and without misrepresenting things or having any cultural faux pas that we weren't even aware. Right. So, I mean, even, for instance, uh, in in Japan, there was quite a, a significant one of the Empire of the Rising Sun. At the moment, you've just got the red sun in the sky over Mount Fuji. Mm -hmm. But before it had the, the rays coming off it, and that sort of, that actually calls back to... I guess the old, old Japanese empire, sort right? That kind of imperialist history that people are that, not yeah. so comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's kind of it's a it's an image that's used here and there in sort of pop pop culture, mm -hmm. but it's it's not always necessarily like given the credence of it's it's what what it represents in history. Yeah, um, sure. And so I guess once so it's it's something that I've never necessarily affiliated that with. Yeah. And so I've I've never seen it as being a sensitive image, but only only once sort of talking to people from Japan, and even you you sent me some some great material from uh, from my, from one of your friends in Japan. Yeah. Um, well, all of this, what it what it it's I think it's interesting. It's like it's 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 important to locate this in the the kind of production process, and I think this is another thing that's kind of 
a reality of being a small company, a startup, is you're always working on constrained resources and time and really wanting to try and do the right thing, but kind of doing your best with the kind of limited materials that, that, that we can kind of put behind it. You know, like um, I remember reading about, uh, you know, Moana, when Pixar went out to create Moana, which is about Pacific Islander culture and, and telling stories. It was the same team that had worked on Pocahontas 20 years previously, which had been this kind of disaster from a kind of politics and representation perspective. And it was the same dudes, unfortunately, but still, um, they had learnt from that initial thing and they set up an ethics committee where they actually went out and hired a bunch of people to give their honest opinion on representation in the script and in the character designs and in the kind of choice of music and all of these kind of elements. And it's a really big deal, I think, my understanding at least um, for from reading around the subject for Pacific Islanders who have seen their culture represented in this really thoughtful and positive way in the movie. And I think you can tell, like even as not somebody who understands that culture particularly well, it has a richness and it has a kind of quality to it and a, and a, and a, and a, and a spiritual quality to it that's really like beautiful and I really love that movie. Yeah. We can't afford an ethics committee. <laughs> so we have to do our own kind of scrappy version of that yeah. uh, and then root it all through um, the kind of tireless and indefat indefatigable Steve yeah. to kind of come up with that. But there was, there was a point, wasn't there, that we, that we reached where we had to kind of say, I think we're going to run out of time to make any more changes or go through any more rounds yeah. of feedback. Yeah, I think maybe this is just something that is part and parcel with any creative project when you're working to a deadline is doing the best that you can do within the means possible and that's within sort of both resources surrounding time and kind of and manpower so i guess sort of being being just the the sole person i guess illustrating this map and also coming down to the crunch against time with manufacturing i think it just came a lot down to trying to get it into the best place that we could that we're yeah. like we're certain that we're not Offending anybody because that's well, we're not we're not a hundred percent certain. Well, yeah. well it's, yeah. as, <laughs> no, as, because yeah. because because of course the capacity of people to be offended on the internet is is pretty high. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that I kind of have it in my in my mind as if anybody is offended, then we can say hand on heart that we really tried to be thoughtful about this and kind of go out to be as uh, respectful as we could about about everyone's culture. Mm. And if they are offended, that's very much on me, not on you, by the way. I'm going to be no, uh, yeah. out, there, <laughs> out there taking that one on the chin. But uh, the other piece of this is it's a, it's a paper map and we have the art files. And I think yep. it's interesting to think about how this illustration might evolve over time. You yeah. know, there's no, this, isn't, this isn't a fixed entity. And like anything in, 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 the, in the kind of digital physical world in which we operate, we can think about how it evolves and how it changes um, in light of those kinds of pieces of feedback and, and input. And, and I think it's also worth saying that, that, you know, as a team, we loved the illustrations and the art style so much that they're actually the, the central feature of the, of the box and the packaging and, and the, the kind of the logo of the game. So we've actually kind of carried it through into the whole design of the game. In fact, one of, one of my absolute, there's two, there's two things which I'm going to try and describe. So when you open up the box and you, and you take out the board, you can see that the, the, the box itself is lined with 
uh, a kind of cardboard insert. It has a kind of composite of the illustrations from the world map. So not done geographically laid out as it is on the world map, no. but more like tessellated together to become a single wallpaper-like yeah. layout. Yeah, it's, quite, it's just a, like a texture almost rather than an illustration. But so. it looks gorgeous and it looks so... Um, it really reminds me of a certain style of print design, which I kind of associate with the sort of 30s and 40s, like some books that I used to see in my grandfather's house that had a kind of paper sleeve. There was one of Swallows and Amazons, which actually they reprinted recently. I saw it in a, in a bookshop. And it has that same kind of idea of like lifo printing and hand-drawn illustrations. Yeah, beautiful. Really, really lovely. Um, and it also is used on the, the backs of the cards. So you get upgrade cards in Run in Rome that you can um, collect and then invoke by saying an activation phrase to Alexa. And they've got um, the same illustration, but kind of colorized in red and blue to, for the different teams. Yeah. And it makes a very nice card back. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the, the card back is probably one of my favorite iterations of it. It's really nice. When in Rome's quite a conceptual game, right? You know, like it's it sort of, uh, we're, we're talking about travel and the emotion of visiting a new place and the experience of meeting somebody. And what we're hoping is that, that there's, a, there's a kind of idea at the center of that, which is about, how close you get to people you travel with. The, you know, you tend to really bond with people you go on holiday with, you tend to go on holiday with people you're really bonded with. And it's because you're kind of outside of your normal lives and you're kind of having adventures and, and experiencing the unfamiliar and, and exciting. And um, making a visual identity out of that is kind of super tough. Yeah, yeah, it turns <laughs> you out. You know, like, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty airy brief. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, but I mean, as, as you said before, it was kind of, it was a, it was a, a situation where the the brief informed the illustrations and then the illustrations came back to reinform the brief and so it wasn't necessarily just a a one-way street of here this is the brief and get it done but it was kind of a here this is this is the brief as we know it and then when like receiving the well, whatever I'd done with the illustrations um, whenever you would feedback on that we'd have other discussions that would ultimately start to shape the game in different ways and it was quite nice that the the two were sort of developing in tandem so it didn't it didn't feel as as stale as i just had to sort of just make this fit into the the concept of the game but rather the two sort of became had a had a had a reciprocal effect yeah, yeah exactly. completely and yeah no and i do think that there's something about this this tapestry of images kind of all layered over one another that is for me a lovely summation of that idea of travel and mm. wonder and experience, you know, this sort of abundance of places you can go all kind of smooshed up next to one another that you see on the front of the box. Hopefully it's going to be something quite enticing. And uh, I think it's quite a different looking game from, you know, like we, we, we think a lot about the kind of packaging design and how things stand out in a, in a shop. And I, I, I'm hopeful that this one will be intriguing uh, like what this this sort of hand drawn illustration style when people will people find it? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm certainly curious to find out what people think. So yeah, <laughs> they, they're gonna they're gonna buy it. That's what we're. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know for me personally, when I look at the game, but also as you were saying, the box and the print, which is largely influenced by the board design. For me, like the the tricky balance of celebrating different cultures yet being aware of how 
you know, we live in a global world now and, you know, a lot of places it would be wrong to sum them up in a stereotype. So getting like the right balance between celebrating uniqueness whilst also acknowledging the globalness of the world we now live in. I think that's really well summed up in that tapestry design where you can look and everything is sort of compiled into one place yet also has an ability to be picked apart and you can see like the unique aspects of different places. Like that's something that I love about the design that you guys have all sort of come up with and fed back and iterated on together. I mean, you you had some experience of that with because you, you brought some feedback about some, some, some locations on the board through, through your family, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess this was the neat thing that you guys were saying about feedback was obviously we didn't, we didn't have the resource for an ethics team, but everyone, I think, on the Sensible Object team put their fingers or branches or whatever out as far and wide as they could to get as much feedback as possible and cover as many blind spots as we could. And yeah, I, I have a lot of family in Asia. Um, my uh, my mom is from Singapore, so I've got a lot of family there. So input on the Asia region is something that we could provide some opinions on, at least. Um, and then we have other people from other areas of the world also fee- feeding back on other parts of the world as well. So I feel pretty hopeful and optimistic that we've done a pretty good job on trying to make the map representative, maybe not in a to scale, really, I don't know, geographically meter by meter accurate sort of way but something that feels true to the celebratory nature of the game and like a feeling of inclusiveness that we want to embody in when in Rome I think if anyone is going to be really offended it's going to be the Welsh yeah (laughs) Wales slightly looks on the board like a suburb of London um it's kind (laughs) of uh and knowing and loving some people from Wales the idea that a bunch of trendy London design people have kind of eroded some of their sort of national identity and culture is is going to go down like a cup of cold sick, I reckon. But um, you know, if we end up with a sort of contingent of angry Welshmen at the door, we'll we'll figure out we'll figure out a way of uh, yep. placating them yes. um, in, well, in future versions. I'm sure we can massage the the UK out a bit more in the next iteration of the map and give yeah. give Wales and, all uh, that it deserves. We, we can, maybe we should we should we can add Cardiff as a location. Yeah, uh, I think. I think about my, you know, but then, then what will you do about there not being a place in Scotland? Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, we'll have to do yeah. when in Great Britain and just, just focus 20, 20, places yeah. on, 20 places on the UK. I, I think that we can reduce Russia by at least 50%. Yeah, there's no pleasing everyone, but I think we've done we've done as good as we can. Yeah, yeah. so let's hope so. Yes. Yeah. Um, Steve and Alex, thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. I feel I, I've personally learned a lot and I've been on the team for when in Rome so this has been really great getting insight into the map development process yeah cool thanks a lot for having us yeah no it was really fun thank you great uh so um people listening if you're interested to find out more about voice originals or when in Rome you can go to voiceoriginals.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the same handles voice originals when in Rome and the free daily skill fully launch on July 2nd but you can pre-order a copy from the 18th of June on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Thanks, guys, again for joining me. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And make sure to check back for the next episode. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye